everybody. Welcome to the first inaugural episode of Off Script with Pastor Jared. I am he. Today we're going to talk about, yes, the Roe leak, the leak of the Roe v. Wade decision, or I guess we could say draft decision handed down um, in private, but leaked to the public. And so uh, I want to put before you a Politico article that broke the news about a week ago. Uh, Today's date is May 10. So if you hear any info that changed after this, just know I'm talking on May 10. The article came out and pretty much shocked the world. I I remember uh, when it came out late that evening and it was just taking over everything. So the beginning of the article says this very simply, the Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico. The draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and a subsequent decision, Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Okay, so most of you are probably familiar, but really my target today is uh, to the young Christian, the teenager that's grown up with this, the young college student. You're my target audience today of who I'm talking to. I want to help persuade you a bit and sort of help you make sense of this from a Christian perspective, because I know that it's really easy if you've grown up uh, in a world that's been extremely hostile uh, about this discussion. You almost just want to try to find the middle ground and disengage and just not be a part of this at all, because it's such a hot discussion. Uh, But I do think there is a clear Christian perspective on this. It is not the middle ground. And and so I want to help you think through that today. That's what this episode is about. So just the nuts and bolts of this is that in the Supreme Court, they are often making decisions uh, far ahead of when it's finally released, and, and they're doing things behind the scenes. And typically, this info is never, ever leaked out like this. So it seems like this was a hostile leak uh, done to put pressure on the justices. And we're already seeing that now. Uh, We've seen people protesting at the the justices' houses, and we've seen the Senate scrambling to try to uh, preemptively strike and make this uh, protected, abortion rights protected. Um, So uh, this is, uh, Roe v. Wade has been around for 50 years, and it was from what I can tell, kind of a shaky case to begin with. And it was, uh, again, supported by the 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And so that was a federal decision. And so if you're a a young person and you haven't had your government class, uh, it's good to remember there's federal and then there's state. So what this would do, ultimately what this would do is if, if a federal decision by the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, what that would effectively do is then turn this issue to the states. It would kick the can downhill to each individual state, and then every state would be able to have their individual vote on what they want to do with abortion. So even even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, you need to know this does not blanket ban abortion. That is not what this is going to do. This is going to kick it downhill to each individual state who can have their individual votes. So your deep blue states like California, New York, even Colorado and others are still going to have abortion. So you might, as a, uh, a Christian, celebrate Roe v. Wade being struck down. And guess what? I, I was very excited when I read this headline. Uh, but 
you, you do so knowing that this is just the beginning because individual states are going to get to have their say in what they want to do. This is not a ban. Okay. So I know that some states, like I've lived in Texas, I currently live in Tennessee, I've lived in Florida. Uh, red states are going to have a harder stance, and some of them are going to do outright bans. Some of them are going to do uh, six-week bans, hopefully not 15-week bans, you know, but uh, some states have trigger laws in effect. You know something that I wonder, and I it, to this day I still wonder this, how do states that have a Republican governor and a Republican House and Senate uh, still have abortion to this day? My guess would be because we're cowards, but I don't really know the, the political correct answer for that. Uh, I, I still struggle to this day to understand how that's possible um, because I lived, I've also lived in Colorado before, and I know that uh, marijuana was banned at the federal level, and yet they had their weed. So uh, it, it shows you that if the stomach is there and the desire is there, uh, a state really can stand up for itself and ignore some, some federal rules. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. What I want to help you think about today, young Christian, is some important truths about abortion and things around abortion. So I have a couple of points that I just want to bring up to you uh, to help you think through this, okay? And this is these are things that I've always had in the back of my head uh, in this discussion, and I've not ever just laid it out there in a, uh, a point format. So I want to make sure you get those. The first one is that I want you to see is that uh, sex is neither casual nor consequence-free, Okay, sex is not consequence free. Uh, that's that's people that support abortion. I'm trying to think what are what are they really protecting? Okay, what, what in their heart and in their soul, what are they really trying to protect? And I think first is that uh, when you have abortion, you have the ability to remove the primary consequence of sex, and that is a baby. Uh, but you need to be ready when you have sex to have a baby. I know that seems, does this seem weird to say when you have a baby, be prepared, uh, sex and babies go together. That's what I'm trying to say. Sex and babies always go together. Uh, when you engage in sex, you are rolling the dice on a soul being created, a soul, a, a living, breathing person that can come into existence that has an eternity ahead of them. When a person is made, they are now in the game of heaven and hell and someone that Jesus died for. I mean, this is a serious thing to bring a, a person into the world. And so it seems to me like abortion tries to remove the consequence of children from sex with the goal of making sex consequence free and casual, but it is neither Sex has lots of consequences, and the main one is having children. It's supposed to be that way. It's actually a really good thing. It's a really wonderful thing to have children. Um, sex is not casual. It alters your life. It makes uh, it makes things get real serious in a relationship real quick. And so you see a, a pr protection of abortion really ends up being a protection of casual, consequence-free sex, which we know is sinful. All right, so that's number one. Number two, important to say this, men and women are different from one another. Men are not women. Women are not men. Women's consequences for sex are different 
than men's. Okay. Why am I saying that? Because one thing that abortion has always tried to do, it came out in the seventies. Remember that was the women's liberation. The feminist movement was trying to erase the differences between men and women. Here's a hard pill to swallow. Sex has different consequences for women than it does for men. Women bear the baby in their body. Okay. Men don't. Men don't have babies. Abortion seeks to flatten and equalize that primary difference. And we see a a lot of women saying it's not fair that we have to have the babies and men don't. Okay. So I think that's another thing that abortion is trying to do is remove that difference of the consequences for men and women. That way, both men and women can engage in consequence-free and casual sex. All right. Number three, this is really important to say, children are not a curse. They are a blessing. Children are a blessing. They are not a curse. The discussion around abortion, if you listen carefully, you will hear children presented as the absolute nightmare destruction to your life. That if if you have this baby, it's going to mean you can't go out anymore. You can't have fun anymore. It's a hindrance. It's a pain. The financial strain, oh, the financial strain that you're going to have when you have children. Uh, it's a career killer for the women. The women's just lost their career, their ambition. It's gone. It's presented as such an inconvenience that it's seen as better to kill that child than to inflict the massive inconvenience on our lives to have children. But the Bible is completely the exact opposite of that. In fact, Psalm 127, 3 through 5 gives us this truth. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Think about that. Children are a heritage from the Lord, a gift, a blessing. And yet this whole discussion around abortion is making children out to be just this scourge of of existence. It's this drain on our life. But Christian, that is no way to think about children. Yeah, they're tough. Yeah, children are tough. It, it is it is going to cause you to grow up really fast. It is going to cause you to have to make sacrifices in your life. You're going to have to save money differently. You're going to have to spend your money differently. You have to think about the future differently. Just like with marriage, this is all sanctification. This is all part of growing up. This is all part of becoming a man, becoming a woman, and and living out what God's plan for your life is. This is God's will for your life, to grow up and, and make sacrifices on behalf of other people rather than to kill someone so that you don't have to uh, go through hardship yourself. All right? Number four I want you to think about some of the most popular phrases and tropes, and I certainly don't have a comprehensive list here, but I want you just to think, uh, sometimes people use phrases and they are really, they sound great, but when you stop and think and really work through them, they're not that true. So for example, we hear that abortion is healthcare, okay? It's, we're taking away women's access to quality healthcare. Okay, uh, when you kill someone, that's not really called health care. Um, you could call that hurt care. You could call that death care. But it's really not helping anyone. Now, obviously, there are situations when 
women have ectopic pregnancies and things like that. Obviously, that's not what we're talking about. But primarily, we're looking at elective procedures where women kill their own children with the purpose of uh, having a a life without the consequences of that child. And you can call, and they might call it their emotional health. They might call it their financial health. Uh, but rarely is it a physical decision that has to be made. And it's presented that way. But my guess is, is if we made a deal and said, okay, how about we take, if we uh, just deal with elective procedures that have nothing to do with the health of the mother, would you take the deal? Uh, my guess is that that deal would not be taken. Okay. So it's really not health care. A woman's right to choose. We hear that phrase tossed around. What about a right to choose? Well, sometimes you just have to follow up with to choose what? To choose what? To kill her own children? Okay. Yeah. That's what you want the right to choose? Well, no, you can't have it. Uh, that's like a if, if someone says, I'd like the, the right to choose to steal money from you. Well, no, that's sin. You don't have the right to choose that. Uh, so to me, that's always been a strange phrase to use. We hear it called a woman's body. You, you don't have the right to interfere uh, with a woman's choice of her own body. Well, a baby is not your own body. By definition, a baby is another body. There's a, there's a baby inside there with a separate DNA and a separate heart and lungs and liver and all of those things. So that, is, that argument is really weak. Uh, there are two bodies at play. So we're talking about the baby being a separate body. And then the fourth one that I hear is often you don't have to, uh, or unless you're willing to adopt every baby in the world, uh, then you can't advocate for abortion or some argument like that. You have to be willing to adopt a baby to have an opinion on this. And I would just say, no, you don't. Um, you can oppose evil anytime that it's present. So for example, could you say, I can tell the Nazis not to put Jews in the gas chambers without offering to resettle the concentration camp in my backyard? I would feel that I would be able to do that. I could say, you know, we probably shouldn't put uh, anybody in concentration camps with gas chambers. That seems pretty evil. Uh, and, but then someone pops up and says, well, unless you're willing to house that person in your own uh, tent in your backyard, you really don't have an opinion on the matter. And I would say, well, uh, you don't get to advocate for um, anything holding a position as evil as that. So I, I really don't understand why someone has to do something to earn their right to speak into a conversation. So to me, that one falls apart as well. And then fifth and finally, just remember, this is a spiritual issue. This is a deeply spiritual issue. The issue of abortion is the searing of the conscience. Okay. When you advocate for this over and over again, there is a darkening effect on your mind. There is a descent into darkness that accompanies the support of murder. You do it over and over and over again. It will have an effect on you spiritually because this is a matter of evil and righteousness. Okay, young Christian, I want you to hear that. You have to be willing to take stands in life and be clear and open about what is right and what is wrong. And it doesn't matter what the culture says on this. There is no way that killing a baby in the womb is not sin. There is no way. So if you're a Christian and you support abortion, you have to seriously grapple with how you can hold that position. It is not a Christian position to hold, okay? It is just not. 
Now, often we're slammed with the, you're just a single issue voter. Okay. We're slammed with that. And that's meant to shame people as if it's not an intelligent position. You're so simple. All you do is think about one issue. Yeah. But what if the one issue is so massive, so serious that it overtakes anything else? To me, that is why people say they're single issue voters. I've been on, I've said this publicly. I can never, ever vote for a candidate that's a, that is supports abortion can never do it now, that doesn't say anything about party it has nothing to do with party i'm telling you though if i cannot live with myself if i vote for a candidate that supports abortion so um so christian i want you to think about this i want you to um really look around at who is saying what in the culture right now um, who is standing for the truth? Uh, because ultimately, we know this is a spiritual matter. This is not politics. Don't let anybody tell you abortion is political and it has nothing to do with Christ or his church or sin or righteousness. It does. It has a lot to do with it because it is a matter of justice for these unborn children that someone stand for them and give them a chance to live. All right. Well, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this first episode. I wanted to come in hot and give you a, a hot topic. And uh, please subscribe to this channel as we have more and more. And if you are not a part of a Bible-believing church, I challenge you to join one and sit under good gospel preaching this Sunday. Have a great week. God bless.